Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. We're going to go to a quick disclaimer, and then we're going to come back and just jump right on in in today's show. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome once again to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you're listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So, as always, (laughs) there's a lot to get through. So, as I said, let's just jump right on in. I... I have to say that because it's a new year, I want to be optimistic. I want to be enthusiastic about, you know, different opportunities that may uh, arise and just different goals that I've set, that others have set, that the city of Boston has set. So, yes, on the whole, I want to strike a note of optimism on today's show. But I also think it's important to be realistic, too. And one could easily argue that optimism in Boston looks a little different uh, from optimism elsewhere. Uh, you know, in some respects, it's it's the same. But I think that there's always this, well, depending on how you look at it, either this welcome presence of uh, pragmatism, this idea, this ideal, and in Boston really is, this ideal of pragmatism or <laughs> specter. <laughs> so again, it depends on uh, how how you want to look at something. I, I think pragmatism, being realistic, is a very good thing. Uh, I think it helps you chart a course that is is more feasible that 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 is is more likely to yield success and i and i also think that it serves to encourage people rather than discourage because you're not setting expectations that quite frankly are are either impossible or really difficult to to meet so Boston's an incredible city. I I really do love the city, and I, I find that walking around, I often find myself just kind of catching my breath. I will see a beautiful building, or I'll maybe perhaps be standing by the water, and, you know, I'll catch a glimpse of a boat, or... You know, the sunlight will fall in the water in, in, in a certain way. 
Uh, maybe I will see a tree or a flower in full, full bloom, or maybe it's a whole garden. Boston is a very, very beautiful city, and there are tremendous resources here. But people's laziness has really led greatly to the city's decline. And at the moment, it is not at all an exaggeration to say that Boston is on her knees. Boston really, truly is on her knees. And that, to me, is heartbreaking. And I have decided that while I most certainly, again, want to be optimistic for the year ahead, I'm also going to strike a tone. And it's not going to be, I don't think, discordant with who and what I am. I mean, I try to be respectful. Um, if I'm talking to a public figure, if he or she holds public office, I will never look to diminish that office that he or she holds. And I don't think there's a lot to be gained from diminishing the person himself or herself either. But I am going to be, I think, a little bit sharper. And some people would argue, well, I think you're pretty candid, pretty blunt, uh, should we be running for cover? <laughs> and and I wouldn't say that. I, I think that I have been candid, that that is who I am. Having said that, there are a lot of things that I haven't said. And there are there have been instances where I don't want to say that I've bitten my tongue, but I've thought twice before saying something or posting something, and I finished by not saying it or not posting it. But I think that at this point in time, a lot of home truths need to be disseminated. And it's not, it, these are not ideas. It's not just about what I think and what I believe and me sharing that. It, it's about just truths. <laughs> There's no really other way to phrase it. Facts, phenomena, trends that are happening right now, right here, that really can't be denied unless you have your heads, head, or, you know, if we're talking to a group of people, heads in the sand. Firstly, I have to say, the Boston City Council, this is probably the worst city council that we've had in quite some time. And it, it actually angers me, the level of ineptitude, the level of ignorance, the level of disrespect that I have seen from the new counselors and one or two of the older ones, uh, you know, that are maybe not, they haven't maybe been there for a long time, but this isn't their first term, or maybe even their second. Uh, so I, I have to start with 
Kendra Lara. I don't think she's very efficient. But I will say this about Kendra Lara. She is driven by ideology. She is driven by an agenda that is inextricable from that ideology. And on occasion, some of what she does does dovetail with the responsibilities of the council, uh, of a member of the Boston City Council, a city councilor. But I think that she's a very poor representative of District 6, which, you know, includes a lot of West Roxbury and uh, Jamaica Plain, the you know, neighborhoods in Boston. So for th- for those of you who are, who are less... Uh, clued up, keyed in on Boston politics. District 6 in Boston, again, includes the neighborhoods of West Roxbury, Jamaica Plain. Um, There's some Mission Hill. There is, I think, a little bit of Rosendale. But a lot of it is West Roxbury and uh, Jamaica Plain. So it's a very interesting Uh, district indeed. And I don't think that in any way Kendra Lara is someone who represents it well. Now, some people who might be a little bit more familiar with Boston politics might recall that not too long ago, Kendra Lara made comments uh, about the Jewish community, uh, of Jewish people, and it was it was related to Israel. She's very anti-Israel. And I I personally would not have given her a pass. If I were part of this little group that's considered leaders in the Jewish community, and, and quite honestly, they are some leaders, you know, they, they represent some of the leaders— I mean to say, but they're certainly not the the final word. I don't look at these individuals as as together constituting when they say something. I don't look at what they have to say as constituting the final word. Uh, and certainly not in this instance because Kendra Lara should not have gotten a pass. There was... Uh, something that occurred, it was a legal development in Arizona, and it was determined that it was wrong and that it was anti-Semitic to boycott Israel. And for those who support the boycott divestment sanction movement, which is very... They're very focused on Israel, and they hold Israel, without fail, to a unique set of standards. And that is the issue. It's not that someone may have an issue with Israel. People are allowed, certainly, to criticize Israel, and they do not need me, a Jewish woman, to tell uh, them that. I mean, people— can criticize, but the issue uh, the issue of anti-Semitism rears its ugly head 
when the criticism against Israel is such that no other country is subject to the same scrutiny or the same commentary or the same extent or level of criticism. That's the issue. And so Kendra Lara, um, Boston City Councilor for District, the District 6 uh, area in Boston, felt the need to weigh in. And, you know, she just, she made ignorant remarks, and it was basically along the lines of, you know, Zionists, you know, really, they have a grip. Uh, they have a grip on on the legal world and, and just different different sectors of society in general that the bottom line is that Zionists have an outside, outsized influence in this country, on this country. And, you know, this idea that Jews control the world and that Jews are not just powerful but too powerful— you know, of course, that those that those are anti-Semitic tropes. And, you know, there was a big brouhaha for a limited period of time. And then at one point, I guess, Lara, she composed a tweet where, you know, she essentially said that she recognized how her words can be, or her words could have been uh, seen as hurtful, I mean, this was the gist, and that she regrets that. And it was all, we all have learning to do. And I'm happy to be working with the Jewish community to do just that. It, it was something along those lines. And she po she posted this on Twitter, and it was pinned for... It was pinned for, you know, a few days or a week or whatever. And then that was the beginning and end of it. And again, some of these leaders in the Jewish community who had these nonprofits, they gave her a pass. And that was very wrong. That was very wrong because a white male, he would have been canceled. Now, let me be clear, I don't believe in canceling anybody, but I'm just pointing out the hypocrisy and the treatment. I think that regardless of who or what the individual is, if someone says something like that, it's offensive, it's anti-Semitic. If you talk about a public servant, regardless of the gender, regardless of the race, ethnic background, faith, it's offensive. It's anti-Semitic. So what it came down to was Lara wasn't held to the same standards of accountability as other people would have been held. She was essentially, you know, it was almost like it was a pretense made. and. She was then pretty much given a pass, like, oh, well, you know, a kind of like a slap on the wrist. And she engaged in behavior afterwards, and there, there's been behavior of hers prior to this that indicated that this just wasn't a one-off, that 
it wasn't just a lapse in judgment on her part. And it's just, I, I don't understand. Like, I'm at the point where my attitude for someone like Kendra Lara is this. If she wants to be an activist, have at it. Go be an activist. Just don't be an activist on the city council. The job of a city councilor is not to push an agenda. I mean, I understand that people necessarily have issues that are close to their hearts and they're going to advocate for them. That I understand. But first and foremost and above all, it's about the needs of your constituency, the needs and the concerns. And Laura does not get that. She doesn't. And there was one city council meeting that I discussed on this show previously. It was, I refer to it as that city council meeting where it was really a complete breakdown and etiquette. And it was just a tremendously sorry sight to see. Because you're looking, or we're talking about a body, a legislative body, August. And I saw that word used in reference to the city council, Boston City Council. And I said, what a perfect word. And, and, and to see this storied body be reduced to a glorified Benetton ad to some kind of perverse litmus test as to how open-minded, intolerant Boston was, was or is going to be, I could say that it, it, it's heartbreaking, but at this point, I'm infuriated. Then you have Tanya Anderson... Tanya Fernandez-Anderson, she's another one. She, like Laura, was just elected in 21. And she represents District 7. And so that's a lot of, I mean, that's, that's a good chunk of Roxbury and the South End, some of the South End. And, you know, I think Fernandez-Anderson, she's someone else who doesn't belong on the Boston City Council. She doesn't because she's another one she's made outrageously inappropriate remarks. And she, you know, in that city council meeting, she contributed heavily to what everyone else witnessed as that complete breakdown and etiquette. You know, dropping the F-bomb. There's a time and a place talking about how she does not know what she has to do to get respect as a black woman. Look, as a woman of color, I am well aware of how ignorant some people can be. I also know that holding public office doesn't insulate people, uh, you know, a woman of color, or anyone for that matter, from ignorant, nasty remarks. However, Again, there was a, you know, it was all about a time and a place. 
time and a place. It wasn't the setting for her to air her grievances. There really was not just cause for it. It it really, truly wasn't. And Laura and Fernandez Anderson represent this new breed of Boston politician where everything kind of revolves around them. And that angers me because there's such a need right now. There's this massive, incredible need for constituent services. And so many people are struggling. I myself, I consider myself deeply blessed. I'm incredibly grateful that I can afford my groceries. But let me tell you, it's not always easy. And when I went to the store yesterday, actually the last two time, uh, last couple of times I went to the store, I, uh, you know, the local one of the local stores, supermarkets, you know, chain, big chain. So it wasn't a smaller store where prices might be a little bit higher. No, it was, it was a chain store. I was stunned. I don't know really what I bought, but I walked out having paid a little under a hundred. It was jaw-dropping. And then I picked up a few things, a few more things, uh, a few days later, and it was like a little under 40. And, and I just said to myself, my goodness gracious, the prices have gone up. Uh, I like to drink hot chocolate, and so I get, you know, the, what is it, the the Swiss Miss, whatever's, I don't even, like, I just, I just grab the box. I recognize the box. I'm like, okay, it's going in my basket. And... Normally, it's probably like a dollar fifty or maybe two dollars, maybe two ninety nine. I saw that it was three forty nine, and I said, "What?" <laughs> you know, and and it was it, it, it just going throughout the store and 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 just putting items that I normally consume, like you know, food and drink, into my cart, my carriage, I, oh, my carriage. I I just I saw. Just all these prices that were just different and noticeably higher. And so it's just all these different things that are at play and so many more. I don't really care about this reality show that is now the Boston City Council. You had Erin Murphy, and Erin Murphy acted as kind of the adult in the room. She was the vocal adult in the room that wanted people to know that this behavior wasn't good, but she wasn't going to say that, but she was going to make make a comment here or a comment there that would let Anyone who was there, you know, present at the meeting or anyone watching at home or who watch, who were, or anyone who, who was to watch later, uh, that she understood what it meant to be in the Ionella chamber, which is where the city council meetings take place. And I said to myself, you know what, you're just as bad, just as bad. Uh, you know, Erin Murphy 
I've said this before. She is the mac and cheese of Boston politics. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because, I mean, she ran on bringing Boston back together. And that actually wasn't a bad thing to run on, right? Let's unpack that a little because people were, I think, heavily traumatized by the COVID restrictions and the fallout. And I apologize because I feel like I have to apologize because the word trauma is used so often and so indiscriminately that it really doesn't have much meaning anymore. And that's a shame because if you actually look up what trauma means, I think it's a very appropriate word to use in this case because people were unable to spend time with loved ones or friends. People were isolated. And and, and for some people, that was very, very hard. You know, people uh, lost their livelihoods. People had to adjust to a new way of interacting with one another. Um, People had to adjust to a new way to live. And all at once, that's not easy. It's not easy at all. People's freedoms, you know, as to, you know, where they could go and having to wear a mask and all, that was difficult for a lot of people. And not just in this state and not just in this country. And so a semblance of normalcy, you know, for someone to stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to bring everyone, we're going to come together, we're going to work together to get past what was, quite honestly, a horrible time. That's appealing. And, you know, Erin doesn't come, Erin Murphy doesn't come in guns blazing and, I mean, that's not her style. I mean, that's Kendra or maybe Tanya or maybe Julia Mejia. And I'll talk about Julia in just a minute. (laughs) So it's, I'm going to, to say it's appealing. It's nice. Erin Murphy, when I say that she's the Mac and she's in boss of Boston politics, what I mean is that she provides a comforting presence. Right? But after the eight hundred and fifty-fifth thousand, you know, eight hundred thousandth uh selfie, I I wanna know what else she's got to offer. And when you try to get something substantive, you don't get it. And if you don't pick up what she's putting down, then there are issues, right? Okay, so there have been different city councilors, Boston city councilors who've blocked people. Erin's one of them. And, And I just... At the end of the day, like I said, it, it's good to have someone who wants to bring people together. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this, a lot of people have felt left out over the years. I mean, things have become so extreme that people feel like 
they, they just they they feel like it's just they've stepped into an alternate universe. It's like some kind of twilight zone. Things have become surreal. They can't they can't begin to believe what's happened. I myself have problems believing everything that I see in Boston. If you would have told me in 2010 that there would have been rioting and looting in Boston, I might have laughed at you. Right. I, I that's something I might have done. It's just in so many different respects, there's been just a complete breakdown. And how, you know, and so in or should I say vis-a-vis how things should work, how they should operate, that someone who comes along and is not like so crazy and out there, it's like, oh, thank God. But Evan Murphy's got to deliver. And she's not doing that. And posting an endless stream of selfies, you know, I, I don't care where she goes to get her ice cream. I, I don't care who she's friends with. I don't care that uh, she's gone to this event or that event. Don't get me wrong. All the city councilors, they have a ceremonial part to play. But the meat of being a city councilor is constituent services. And it's also understanding in a city where the mayor is such a strong figure, it's understanding just how big of a role a city councilor can play. And if the city councilor is skilled, he or she actually has... (laughs) A fairly big bully pulpit. Okay, so it's, I feel like with Erin, every day she wakes up with a checklist of things to say and do. This is what I say. This is what I do so that people will think that I'm friendly, I'm nice, uh, I'm on it, I'm, you know, I'm in every neighborhood, I'm just great, I'm... You know, I'm here, I'm there, and it's like, you're not doing anything, Aaron. It's in an age where, if I don't see it on social media, it didn't happen. I get the rise, I'm speaking generally now, I get the rise of people feeling like they need to post on social social media or wanting, you know, feeling the need or just, you know, maybe... Maybe I don't need to, but I want to. I also fully appreciate and respect that social media can be a powerful adjunct to a public servant, which is what, of course, city councils are supposed to be. But this, this, is, this is too much. This is too much. So let's move on to Julia Mejia. Now, Julia is very interesting because I've known Julia for a long time. A very long time. And there's a part of me that's probably always going to like Julia because I have known her for a long time. And I don't think she's a bad person, but I don't think she's a good city councilor. I'm being honest. And and what I'm saying now, I would say to her. But I would then say why. I actually, and for people who doubt that, I actually went to her office 
And I spoke to her then chief of staff. And I very candidly said, I, I don't think Julia is representing all of Boston. I don't think she's representing all of her constituency. I think she needs to do more for white people. That's not a bad thing to say because city councilors at large are representing the whole of the city. And I understand Julia being a person of color that, you know, she might want to do and and use her position to advocate maybe um, in some in some contexts uh, or in some situations uh, a little bit more for people of color. But at the end of the day, I feel pretty much the way I feel about Kendra Lara insofar as if you want to be an activist, go be an activist. Have at it. But don't be a city councilor. Don't be a public servant. You can't be a public servant and not represent everybody. And that's another thing. You know, you got the hashtags. Actions, not just words. So that's Aaron, right? Um, But actions, not just words. I I mean, I want to see that being used if you actually do something. If you show up at a ribbon cutting, actions, not just words. I mean, it's, it's, I mean... I, I don't see the point. Uh, Julia, all means all. And so, you know, these two, as well as, you know, a lot of others over the years, including Liz Breeden, uh, former uh, Boston City Councilor Lydia Edwards and current state senator Edwards, um, you know, the, these you know, former city councilor, former mayoral candidate, uh, Anissa Sabi-George, uh, Michelle Wu, former city councilor, current, of course, mayor of Boston. You know, all the, all these women have graduated from Emerge, and, you know, hashtags are a big thing uh, with a lot of them. But it, don't use a hashtag to create your brand, which is why it's done, um, if you're then not going to live up to it, because then it's just, eh, you know, people are going to pounce on it. So, you know, again, Julia... All means all, but you're not representing all of Boston. And that needs to change. But it's not going to unless people say, hey, wait a minute. And, you know, let me talk about that meeting. When you have, like, these performance pieces and these dueling narratives about who's the good guy, who are the good guys, who's the good counselor, who's not, who's the adult in the room, who's, who's, uh, the righteous uh, individual, uh, who's who's the this, who's the that? It 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 really it detracts from people who actually had something to say, and so on that particular occasion, you had Brian Worrell. And I actually like him very much. Um, I think he's very much a gentleman. I think he's every inch of a gentleman. And it's just, it's so refreshing because I think that in this day and age, people just in general are not very well-bred. And that, and that's not to say that I think that, oh, this person on the city council is rude. Or, no, but I just, he's very much a class act. It's, it's not something that you can really affect or try to be. It's just you are. And he, he's not, 
he's not he's not going to do those performance pieces. You know, he's there, you know, to do his job. And what I thought was interesting, and I want to definitely want to hear more, is is his point and his focus on creating economic opportunities in District 4, which, you know, includes, uh, I think, a little bit of Rosendale, but it's mostly Dorchester uh, and Mattapan, uh, the part of Dorchester that borders Mattapan. And I just thought that, wow, that 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 sounds kind of interesting. I, I want to hear more of what he has in mind because I... You know, I lived in that area. My family's from that area. So I want to know, well, what opportunities are you looking to create here? Because, you know, I'm thinking, gee, maybe it's something that I or a neighbor or, or the, you know, or Jane Smith or John Doe can take advantage of. And this is, I thought that that was kind of exciting. And I think that because we're coming out of a pandemic kind of, sort of, for the most part, I think that, interestingly, this is, in some ways, a very good time to take a risk. So I I would have liked to have heard more from him than these others. I'm going to be candid because they weren't—it wasn't council business. It was their business, and I want to hear council business, especially if I'm in the INL chambers. So getting back to Julia— um, I'm always going to have a, probably a, a, a soft spot for her, but I'm, you know, I'm not happy with her, in my opinion, in a representation that doesn't cover the whole of her constituency. And I don't like the fact that she has really led this crusade against the Boston police. That makes me angry. That makes me very angry because the police for quite some time here in Boston, they, I'm, I'm not saying that there, there, maybe there's been some chapters there. And, and, and sadly, there are always people who are going to put on the uniform and dishonor it. But for quite some time, Boston has been recognized as having Really, a very special uh, police department, uh, very talented people, intelligent, dedicated people. And to see some of these Boston City councilors like Kendra Lara, like Julia Mejia, like Tanya Fernandez Anderson, who, quite frankly, have no business. In my, in my opinion, at this point on the council, to see them, to hear them going after the police officers, that makes me angry. That makes me angry because it's hard enough being a police officer uh, when you have public servants who are supposed to work hand in hand with these police officers, but instead they opt to attack their morale. I, that's that's vicious. That's nasty, and 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 it's harmful. It's harmful for the people that they claim that they want to protect and serve. So there's that. Uh, so I, I, I there are also, I, and I want to add this before I move on to another counselor. Um, I 
have heard some rumors about Julia Mejia's activity um, when she's not, you know, acting as a counselor. She's just an individual. Let me say that counselors, you know, any public servant has a right to a private life. But obviously when there when there's an issue about behavior um, that could potentially impact the counselor's ability on the job— there are, you know, I think there 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 must be room for questions, and and there should be cause for concern. So, the only reason why I'm going to say some of this is because Julia Mejia herself addressed it, um, because I really, really, really don't like to traffic in rumor, and just throw it out there like that, or you know, innuendos. I I don't mm, I don't like that. That's mm, I don't like that at all. So Julia, you know, there was an incident. There are rumors that Julia was driving under the influence, and there were some rumors that were more serious that she um, has a substance abuse problem. And the only reason why I feel comfortable mentioning this is because she herself posted a public video on social media, which addressed it. Otherwise, I, I, again, I just, I don't want to touch it. You know, I'm speaking generally now. I don't want to touch something un- unless I have proof. I, I don't, I, I can't stress this enough. I don't traffic in rumor. Um, I want to believe Julia. I do. Um, but I think that there are a lot of just different questions that need to be answered. And I think that just speaking generally that there's an erosion in trust between public uh, servants, not just Boston City Council, but just in general, between, you know, public servants and their constituencies. And I I think that people just, they need need to hear more. Um, They want to hear more. And they, they just, they don't feel like these people who are supposed to serve them they don't believe that they're held to the same standards. And it's not just in a potential instance where maybe there was someone driving, it doesn't have to be Julia, it could be anyone driving under the influence, but just in general, or it could be something else. But people don't feel like everyone is being judged uh, according to the same standards. And so there's, there's, as I said, an erosion in trust, but then there's also, I think there's some resentment, right? So I think that just, again, speaking generally, I think that people just in in, in instances where there's concern of this kind, people just want to be reassured that this is what happened and that, you know, a public servant whoever he or she may be, is not going to try to take advantage of being uh, a public servant. He or she's not going to try to uh, get preferential treatment. Again, I'm speaking generally. So there's that. But I just, I don't like that there's that, there's this kind of distraction because I feel like Julia and I feel like Kendra and I feel like Tanya and just all of them, I I feel like they need to focus on the job at hand. 
Uh, Ricardo Arroyo, he's another one. He's someone who's a tremendous disappointment because he's not a stupid person, um, but there were allegations against him when he was running for Suffolk County DA. There were allegations that he engaged in untoward conduct with a high school classmate. There was actually, uh, there were several women, uh, you know, there, there, there were allegations that there were several women with whom he was physically inappropriate uh, and or verbally and or verbally inappropriate. And it's, I don't want these kind of distractions. I, I'm not saying that I need saints on the Boston City Council. What I'm saying is I need people who understand what their job is and that they are held to a higher standard. That That is, that's part and parcel. I mean, that that's part of, of being a public servant. You are held to a higher standard and people look up to you. And so I don't want all these distractions, nor do I want any of the fluff. I, I don't want the lack of substance. I expect people to know the issues and to be able to talk about them from a variety of different perspectives, different angles. And I expect them to try to propose solutions to the issues and to be able to advocate them and to be able to work with different stakeholders to bring some kind of resolution about. That's not what I'm seeing. You know, when I contrast that with Frank Baker and, and uh, Michael Flaherty and Ed Flynn and Kenzie Bach, Brian Worrell, I mean, Ruthie Louisian and, and uh, Liz Breeden, let's, I don't, I don't, put them necessarily in one in one of the categories or the other. But, you know, as for the others that I just enumerated, they're doing their jobs. They are. But, but you can't just have a city council of 13 people and you have, like, what? What did I say? Like, so I said Michael Flaherty, Ed Flynn, Frank Baker, uh, Brian Worrell, uh, uh, who, who, uh, Flaherty, Flynn, Worrell, Kenzie Bach, um, five or six. I am forgive me. Let me actually let me just pull it up. So I'm I'm, you know, because I, I want to make sure I'm getting all these. You know, he, here is an instance where it's really important to really name everybody. So forgive me. And it's been a long day too. So I'm running. I'm tired. I've been up for, you know, quite some time. So I just, uh, I don't, you know, I don't mean to uh, be offensive in any way. But let me just pull up Boston City Council. So uh, Michael, we have Frank Baker, we have Brian Worrell, uh, Worrell, um, let's just see here. Ed Flynn. Um, Kenzie Bach. Yeah, so, you know, these, these people are doing their jobs. I also have to say Gabriella Coletta is, I, I wasn't initially a fan. I'll be very upfront. I voted for Tanya L. Del Rio. Uh, you know, of course, there was a recent special election that was triggered because 
the former district won uh, city council, Lydia Edwards won uh, a special election for uh, the state Senate. Uh, but I, I think that, and I stand by my vote. I, I was proud to, to cast my vote for Tanya because I think that even though I didn't agree with her on, on, on all the issues, uh, I think that she's someone who is earnest. I think she has a good heart. And I think she had, I think she had a, a decent grasp of, you know, a lot of the issues at hand. And I think she's someone who's willing to listen to other people. And that's really important. People, I think, have this idea about me that, oh, well, she's only going to vote for a conservative or a moderate. No, because being a conservative or moderate doesn't mean you're a good politician or a good public servant. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means is that you're conservative or moderate. Uh, they are fellow Republicans who might be conservative, fellow conservative Republicans. And I would not vote for those people if you gave me money. <laughs> uh, Jeff Deal, for instance, I just couldn't bring myself to vote for him, and I'm going to be very upfront about that. Uh, it doesn't mean I voted for Maura Healy, and I wish Maura Healy, you know, an abundance of luck. Uh, she seems to be a very pleasant person. I think she's a smart lady. I think she's an accomplished lady. Um, but my, you know, in terms of policies and priorities, of course, I was, you know, I was aligned with Chris Doty. Um, but unfortunately, he didn't prevail in the primary. But I just, I couldn't vote for Jeff Deal because I just, I didn't see any ideas and he didn't make the argument as to how the experience that he did have or does have, how that was going to enable him to do the job of governor. Because there are a lot of things that really need attention. And I'm not saying that to disparage Charlie Baker and Karen Polito, but there are a lot of things that require, uh, you know, close attention and 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 steering continuing to steer the state uh, through a pandemic or the the ashes of it, I mean, that's that's a big job right there. And of course, it doesn't stop there. So I, I'm not married to voting for a fellow conservative. The person has to have the right qualifications for the job. The person has to know what he or she's doing. The person has to have a platform and 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 really understand what it means to be a public servant. You know, and, and there are some great people. Like I think about uh I mean these people aren't on the aren't on the Boston City Council. Oh, I mean Michael Flaherty, I think he's great. Frank Baker, uh Ed Flynn. Ed Flynn I think he's very underestimated and I think he's very underrated. I think that um, I will like pause a little bit and, and talk about Ed Flynn because I think that when you do have such different personalities and, 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 and such dynamics on the city council, it's not, it wasn't easy not only for him to become president, but to navigate the waters to, 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 to steer the council 
through his presidency. So he's 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 actually he's he's quite skilled. He's quite talented. You have Adrian Madero, who is the state rep uh, for East Boston. You have Tommy Vitolo over a state rep over in Brookline. You have uh, Tim Whalen, who's you know in the Cape. Um, he has actually just been appointed by Charlie Baker to the board of um, the Massachusetts Department of Transportation. So, muzzle tov. Congratulations to Tim Whalen. He's he's a great guy. Uh, another real gentleman. Every inch the gentleman. He and, and he and his family, his lovely wife. So I'm I'm very happy for them. But it's just to say that there are some really good public servants. And I just, what I want for the city council, why I have devoted the entirety of the show to talking about the city council is because I think that they have a very big role to play. We have a real shortage of housing. And, 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 and it's scary. It's alarming because... As it is, Boston is an incredibly expensive place to live. I believe it's now the second uh, or the third, but I think it might be the second most expensive rental market in the nation. We are overrun by addicts. Uh, Drugs are a very serious problem now in Boston. Crime, and when you have... Uh, uh, such a such a big presence of drugs, drug users, uh, substance abuse, those who you know abuse substances, illegal substances. You necessarily then have this this crime, and so it's just there's a lot going on. There's the schools. The schools are a mess, and the schools. Uh, that are functioning, that were functioning, uh, that are functioning. I'm going to be, here's my optimism. Uh, The exam schools, Boston Latin School, uh, Boston Latin Academy, the O'Brien School of Science and Mathematics. Uh, It's, it's, um, they've, they've tried to, you know, to water those schools down. Really, um, destroy them um so it's 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 really um it's frustrating it's it's maddening um and it's disheartening and and please forgive me again it's been a long day it's o'brien school of mathematics and science please you know for all the uh, the alumni and the current you know uh you know, the administrators, faculty, it's a wonderful school, so please forgive me. Very tired. Um, but yes, this has been my show dedicated to the city council. We need to have people who understand what it's all about. And I just, I'm hoping that we'll have like a lot of good people to stand up and run. And I hope and I think that will make a difference because at least it'll force people to act and perform what should be their duties. That's all I have time for now. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You've been listening to me on Bostonian Rap. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network 
at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.